Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on? I was adjusting my microphone. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to episode 54 of Elijah Fire. I'm your host, Jeff Tharp. I'm excited. Today's a good day. I'm excited for today's episode. My guest today uh, got recommended by Krista Elisha herself. Um, She's a speaker. She's the executive director of Naomi House. She's also the author of Send Me, I'll Go, Preparing for the Call. Let's give it up for my guest today, Genevieve Dawn Skidmore. Genevieve. Hey, Jeff. Hey. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. It's glad to ha- I'm glad to have you here. It's uh, I'm I'm yeah. really excited for today's show. So, why don't you take um, however long and just tell people who you are and what you're about? Okay, yeah, my name is Genevieve Skidmore. Right now, I'm the a director of a children's home in northern Arizona called Naomi House, where we are serving um, Native American children in need. We're contracted with the Navajo Nation here in northern Arizona. So we've been doing that for several years here, and we're getting ready to open a children's home on the reservation uh, where I'm from. I'm a member of the Oglala Lakota Sioux Tribe uh, from South Dakota. Amazing. Amazing. How long has that process been like, like to set up a a Naomi house? Has it been like a long, long process? Um, We've been knowing we're going to start a children's home there since 2014, but actually before that. So for a long time, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We are going to talk about Naomi House in a little bit, but I'm just going through the notes here. Let's get into your testimony. It says that you had a testimony in an encounter with Jesus. So maybe give your, you're obviously from the, um, the. I'm from South Dakota. Um, right. Raised in a small town in South Dakota off of the reservation. I was never, I never did live on the reservation, but a lot of the statistics that people may know or may not know about Native people, it, it's my personal testimony. Um, you know, I my mother actually was going to have an abortion with me, um, and she ended up having an encounter with Jesus um, and got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit when she was pregnant with me, and they went to go have an abortion. And she says that my dad just basically turned around and got back in the car and said, you know what, let's just get married. <laughs> so they decided to get married. And my mom used to drag us to church um, on Sundays, you know, to what I always describe as just a very lifeless or religious type of, of church, mm-hmm. uh, where I, I kind of feel like Jesus was basically misrepresented to me, that he's not powerless, that he's not distant, he's not angry, and all the things that I interpreted him to be. Um, and then my father was an addict. He was um, really an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. You know, he looked like he was having a lot more fun than my mom's crew. So I definitely, at a very young age, I was drawn to the dark side. I was drawn to um, everything that's not good and just very rebellious and angry. And um, when our father basically walked out and never came back, it really did something um, deep within my soul that I was searching for love and got into all kinds of stuff that maybe a lot of people are familiar with. But I really, at a very young age, I was a teen mom. Um, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic, domestic violence. Um, I kept spiraling more and more out of control. I, After I did graduate high school, um, I ended up getting into just really um, worse type of addiction, even into methamphetamines at a, for a, a time wow. um, where I actually ended up pregnant again um, and gave my son up for adoption when I was only 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And that was very traumatic um, besides the domestic violence and just the lifestyle that, that I was living. It was just utter darkness. It was mm-hmm. just disconnected. Uh, from creator God, who is the source of all life and truth and um, living just wild. You know, um, by the time I was 20 and I and I talk about it in my book, um, I ended up having an abortion as well. And really that opened me up then to just what I would call utter darkness. Um, I was so lost. I was so confused. I was so broken. And basically my I ended up leaving South Dakota with my then three-year-old son. And we basically fled to 
uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We kind of picked a place, me and some friends, for all the wrong reasons. We picked a place on the map, and we ended up in Phoenix. Uh, my dad was actually at a drug and alcohol rehab center there, and we went to go, um, you know, we were just, we were, went to go be wild. And that's what we did. And um, I liked Phoenix. I remember telling my girlfriends after I went back home, I said, you know what, I'm going to move to Phoenix. Um, and I packed up my my little car and my little son, and I ended up in the middle of Phoenix, um, addicted to drugs, addicted mm -hmm. to alcohol. Um, if there was one word, and I say this, it, that I could have used to describe myself, it would be the word worthless. Mm -hmm. I literally identified as having no value, wow. no worth, no hope, mm -hmm. no future. So there I was in the middle of Phoenix, and I called my baby sister, who was living on the East Coast at the time, and she was all of 19 or 20 years old. I asked her to move all the way over to Phoenix to live with me so that I basically wouldn't be on the street um, living there in Phoenix as a single mom. Um, and so she was working at a restaurant and she met somebody who invited her to come to church. <laughs> and uh, it was this young man that invited her to come to church. And I remember she asked me to, she begged me to go to church with her that Sunday morning. And that was the only reason why we pulled up into this parking lot in the middle of the kind of a rough area of Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm telling you, we, we pulled into that parking lot. I, I, I don't know a better way to say it, but a hot mess. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were a hot mess. Yeah. I describe it like um, just hemorrhaging from the loss or from fatherlessness. There is something about not having a father affirm you that you are literally like spiraling out of control mm -hmm. and we had gotten into so many things opened so many doors we were so lost but there's power in a mother's prayer and mm -hmm. um somebody say amen amen <laughs> <laughs> my mother never stopped praying for us i mean she oh, prayed nice. hard she was back in south dakota she started going to college on the reservation over there um, in, in in Pine Ridge. After we graduated high school, she moved on to the reservation and um, went to go to college and was going to church and had people praying for us constantly. Well, those prayers caught up to me literally in the middle of this parking lot in Phoenix where the Spirit of God came for me. Mm -hmm. um, and arrested me right there in the parking lot. Before I even got into the front doors, um, they had the people like parking your car for you, showing you where to park, you know, and like ushering you to the front door and smiling, you know, and all happy. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're thinking, what is wrong with these people? And what <laughs> They're do they crazy. Do? Yeah. 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 I'm like, I don't belong here. And, and as we were walking towards the front door, you could hear this gospel choir coming out of the front doors. And literally, it was an atmosphere right there in the parking lot of what of something that I never really experienced before, and I call it the real Jesus, mm -hmm. the real presence of the manifest glory of Jesus himself located me in that parking lot. And every step I would go closer to the front door, um, I would hear voices telling me to run telling me to get out of there, telling me I don't belong around these holy people, telling me what a, how worthless I was um, to get out of there. But honestly, the way they kept shaking your hand, that you couldn't run. <laughs> and we got up to the front door and now the women were shaking our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And like ushering us all the way to the very front, I think we were in the second row, and they pushed you up in there. Like you didn't get to sit anywhere that you wanted to sit. Mm. You were going to you sit the in the way in the back so you could get out. You know, <laughs> exit strategy. No, I was looking for the exits. I was getting yeah. the exit. I, all of that. You know, I was yeah. like manifesting basically under the anointing, which is the burden removing, yoke destroy, destroying power mm -hmm. of God. And if there was one thing I never experienced, it was that God had real power, that He was real. Mm -hmm. And so they push us in there. And now I'm surrounded, I say it like with a bunch of black mamas praying in the Holy Ghost. And I knew it was going down today, yeah. it was today a salvation. It wasn't going to be tomorrow and it wasn't going to be yeah. next week. Um, today, Jesus was coming for me. And we sat in those chairs, my sister and I, and we were weeping under the conviction of the power of God. This pr preacher, and he was young, he got up and he preached in a way that I never heard in my whole life. It was on that day, the word of God came alive. It is powerful. 
It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the message version says it's sharper than a surgeon's scalpel. In other words, I was laid open to the surgery of the Father God in that moment. And I just love to share that testimony because in a moment's time, my spiritual eyes were opened and my spiritual ears were open and I had immediate revelation. And I know that's not everybody's testimony, but I got to just say I had immediate revelation. I don't know how many times I heard that Jesus loves us, that Jesus forgives. But on this day, I knew in a moment's time that all of my sin was as far as the east is to the west. And I I could mm-hmm. see physically white robes of righteousness descending down upon us on that day. Like I was with your physical eyes, you could see with it. my physical eyes, I saw wow. a white robe of righteousness descend down upon wow. me. And I had immediate revelation that I could literally walk right up to the throne room of God and obtain mercy and find help now today. And there's when that happens to you, there's this confidence and this boldness that will come upon your life. Like I had immediate revelation. It was like Saul on the road to Damascus for me. And the scales on my eyes were literally removed by the power of God. And I understood in a moment that not only was I not a throwaway, but that God had a predetermined purpose for my life since my mother's womb. And a holy anger came up in me and I realized I have been lied to. Mm. My people have been lied to. Mm. My family members have been lied to. My uh, people in South Dakota, everybody I knew and grew up with, you're not gonna believe it. Jesus is actually real. And in that moment's time, I had immediate revelation that I had purpose. Um, and, And I was loved. I mean, he just washed it. He washed it all away. And I basically said, you know what, devil? Like on day one, you should not have messed. You messed with the wrong one. You messed yeah. with <laughs> Yeah. And so then they immediately asked, asked me on that, on that day, as soon as, you know, they asked for the altar call, me and my sister couldn't get out of our chair fast enough. Cause I'm like, if that's the real Jesus and he wants me, I said, I, I, I couldn't get up there fast enough. I said, right. And when I asked Jesus in my heart, I asked him in my heart for real. And they asked me right afterwards, they said, um, do you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? And honestly, I look back and that's one of the things I am so grateful that they went an extra step and asked me, do you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Because if they would have told me that that's not for today or it's not for everybody, I would have believed them and I would have been cheated out of one of the most powerful uh, tools and gifts that God has given to to his people. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? You don't know where I live. I'll take anything I can get. And they went through some scriptures about, you know, if you being evil, it's in, in Luke. If you you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? Like, not if you get your life right, not if you know 500 scriptures, but if you ask. And I, it was so simple. I knew I was evil. I knew I loved my children. And I knew that this amazing God that just saved me, if he could save me from hell, he could surely fill me with this Holy Ghost. And so I yielded myself and I was gloriously filled with the the baptism of the Holy Spirit to pray in in other languages that day. And I, I really believe that's the power that is uh, helps us. It it says that we'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to do what God's called you to do. And so that foundation that was laid there in that ministry in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona, I enrolled in Bible school. Um, I knew for sure that God had a call on my life and I knew it was to the Native American people. Mm. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, But when I um, basically when he healed me in my physical body, um, I it was it was after that that I said, you know what? You are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll mm. do whatever you want me to do. Send me. I'll go. Mm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, yeah. and, you know, it's it's interesting. I always look at people like your story where it's almost like the devil can see the potential in somebody or like, oh, this is that this is this type of person. If I can get them to believe the opposite. Uh, like you were told you were worthless. And then one encounter with the Lord, you all of a sudden saw 
this immeasurable value you had from the Lord to you. And um, it was just like Satan was doing everything he could to prevent that um, moment from happening, you know? you know? And I think that's prophetic, honestly, yeah. for all people. But I, mm -hmm. but I, I like stand in there for the Native American people. Mm -hmm. I really think that the enemy knows more than the First Nations people even know the value, the place they hold in the body of Christ, Come the on. people that God has called them to be the the voice that they carry the the sound that they carry how god has created them to be i believe the enemy knows and if you are a key that really could unlock revival in america and you are the devil wouldn't you want to hit them the worst and hit them right. the hardest and right. i really think that that's some of the stuff that we're seeing with the mm -hmm. first nations people as a whole and i have seen that a lot of my very own life is kind of a prophetic picture of that bigger bigger picture wow. Yeah. Wow. And what a testimony, though, to be able to reach First Nations people, your people, you know, like it's it's amazing to be like, hey, I lived this and this is what it is. You know, like, um, yeah, there's a guy, you know who he is, Jimmy Muskrat. And he was yeah, talking about just my the, friend. Yeah, yeah, you know him. Yeah. And his his the anger he felt growing up. And that's something that I've I've noticed talking to a lot of First Nations people that there is anger understandably yeah. uh the the atrocities that were done um yeah. but it's almost this thing where it's like satan uses it to arrest them like like that's like there's no nope forgiveness is not on the table you need to be angry you need to fight back you need to take back you need to trauma exactly yeah and uh i you know with your story and even with jimmy muskrats of of how the lord got a hold of him and how he got a hold of you like it just, it's, I can't help but get emotional. Like it's so powerful and so powerful. Um, so powerful. And there's something that there's something unique about the first nations people and what the Lord has instilled in them. Like it's, yeah. so, it's so powerful. And so, um, man, it's like, you guys are like superheroes. It's just like, ah, so and the enemy knows it. And that's yeah. why we're targeted mm -hmm. that's and i believe that because yeah. of what the the first nations carries mm -hmm. you know but just like that woman at the well man one encounter with yeah. this man named jesus it could literally change it all it mm -hmm. changes everything and then he set her up to be an evangelist to all mm -hmm. her people right. um mm -hmm. and so and when you are that woman at the well those that are forgiven much loves much. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that's the, some of the sustaining power that I've had over these years is like literally God, he knows where else would I go? You know, like what else am I, there's no plan B for me. You're it, Jesus, whatever it is, because it has not been a walk in the park. As you can imagine, um, Naomi House is a children's home on the mm -hmm. front lines of the battlefield 24-7, reaching in and taking babies up off of the battlefield. Um, it is no uh, kind of walk in the park. Mm -hmm. But that day that he healed me, and that's when he said, you know, get through these two years um, of this layperson's Bible school. I'm not talking about a real Bible school. I mean, you know, it was just a local church that knew how to build up a disciple and mm -hmm. send you out. I mean, they yeah. were they were amazing. Um, but two years in, when he said, as soon as you're done with that, then come ask me, you know, because I knew I was supposed to do something for him. And so when that that graduation day came, I Googled Native American ministry in Arizona because that's where I was. And Naomi House is the only thing that came up. And um, Naomi House was about three hours north east of phoenix right off of the navajo reservation and this was years ago and i didn't know that there was any other natives besides lakotas i i had no idea about Navajo. Wow. I wow. had no idea. I, I pull into the parking lot of this uh, ministry. And back then it was just Linda, who's our, the founder of Naomi House. And I call her the crazy white lady from Kentucky because she was <laughs> wild. I mean, she was just so, and she loves that. I call her that endearingly or mom. Yeah. Linda. Yeah. Um, and she was just wild. God gave her a word. He sent her. And he said, start a children's home for, for the Navajo children. And she literally just stepped out in faith and, and just did it. I mean, she had nothing and she just, but a word from the Lord. And so I met her. And at that time it was Linda, 
and 11 children and Jesus. That's it. No buildings, no staff, no, no nothing. And I pulled up, you know, I was going to be here for the weekend. You know, I sat in her office. I said, you know, I really don't even know why I'm here. I told her my testimony. I told her about South Dakota. Um, she said, well, maybe I'm just supposed to encourage you to do everything God's telling you to do. I said, well, amen. And I said, let me go clean something. I'll go serve, you know, for the weekend. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. That Sunday morning before I went back to Phoenix, we were driving out to the reservation, um, the Navajo Nation for church. And me and Linda and all her 11 kids in this van uh, cruising out to the res. And she looked at me and I knew her all of 24 hours. And she said, I believe God has called you. Um, Well, she told me she had a dream. And then she said, I believe God has called you to learn how to run Naomi house so that you could take it to South Dakota one day. And that was the first weekend I met her. Come on. And I just had that, oh, like, oh my gosh, I don't understand any of this, but I know that (laughs) this is right. I know that it's God. So even then you knew that it it was right, even though you didn't quite have a gauge for it. Yes, yeah. I knew I knew that it was the Lord. Mm. And if I would have known what all that meant, there's probably no way. But that, I, I think that could go for most of us. That I, go, think it's, I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. And yeah. so I went back to Phoenix, shut down all the stuff. God had blessed me with a job I didn't deserve. My life was going well. I had a beautiful mm-hmm. church, Starbucks on every corner. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And um, he asked me to shut it all down. And my then nine-year-old son and I, we pulled back up onto this parking lot and I had the nerve to say, you know what, God, I'll give you a whole year. I'll give you one year here um, to serve you. And they had taught me so well about, I mean, they knew how to teach you how to serve. They knew how to teach you how to get plugged in and planted and to grow and be discipled. And so I thought if I serve with excellence, if I serve really well for one year, God's surely going to release me, you know, to whatever it is. Wow, look how righteous. Genevieve is. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. And I said, I'll give you, you know, I, I that was my, that was absolutely my mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. And 10 years later, brother Jeff. <laughs> Come on. That's what's up. Yeah. 10 years later. Yeah. Um, we, and honestly, year after year, I said, God, I, I could do anything for, I could do this for a year because you know what? It is rough. And anybody out there that does foster care, anybody out there that is on the front lines for uh, this generation of children, you get it, man. It's like it's like brutal missionary years, right? Mm-hmm. And so 10 years later, when the founder was retiring, the board of directors were sitting there and they all looked at me and they said, will you take over the ministry? And with tears running down my face, I said, I'll do it for one year. Oh my goodness. That's great. (laughs) And so what is so interesting though, is in that same exact year, my grandmother called me from South Dakota and she never talked about, you know, God spoke to me, but she said, God spoke to me. And she told me to give you the 600 acres of tribal land in South Dakota so that you could start the children's home here on the reservation. And in that moment, it finally kind of all clicked like, man, God does know what he's doing and this is right. going to happen. And yeah, so, and but a lot I, I often say, like, even in regards to this, this channel starting and like three years ago, four years ago, when I started working for the Elijah list, never, never would have, if somebody had said, Jeff, you're going to do this, I'd be like, ha ha ha. Yeah, right. There's no yeah. way, you know, and, uh, and and yet here I am, you know, and I think that it's like if we follow the Lord's leading, I'm on. if we follow the Lord's leading, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Yes. Uh, he knew us before he knit us in our mother's womb. And and there's so much that if we just follow God and go, OK, well, like, for instance, for me, I'm I feel called into the movie industry. And right. then it's like, he goes, do okay. This is where you're called. Okay. Now go way over here. And you're like, not the same thing, God, you know, but right. you know his voice and as strangers, I will not follow. And so and I can, you can say the same thing. And, and it's like, if we just stay committed to him, if we make him the goal, yeah. everything else, don't try and do it on your own. Don't create an Ishmael. Like just do uh-huh. it. Just follow, follow him. Obedience. You know? Yeah. It's that, that obedience. 
it was it was that step of obedience that also opened up a second door in my ministry simultaneously with Naomi House. Mm. And that was when I was immediately adopted by my Navajo pastor, um, my apostle, my covering, my spiritual father, his name is Jerry Keems, um, that I preached alongside of him for 13 years until he passed away, actually. Um, but it was it was that first yes and that first obedience that opened up the other door, which was to be basically a minister of the gospel, which I would have never known that that was a part of my call if I wouldn't have obeyed everything that he wanted me to do. And so simultaneously, he and I were building, you know, in our little Navajo church um, here in northern Arizona together. But he had a real apostolic mantle that is being picked up in this season um, in here in Arizona. But um, but yeah, it's just those it's it's those obedient steps and stepping out in faith, you know, without knowing all the answers or exactly what it's going to look like, but trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go back a little bit, uh, 10 years, 15 years, however long it's been um, and, and tell people what is Naomi House? Yeah. What is its focus? What is its vision? Because I really want people to know, know that. Well, that's good because what the Lord's really spoke to me about in this season is a national campaign of awareness regarding Native American children. Mm -hmm. But Naomi House is Native American Outreach Ministries Incorporated. Um, our founder began in 1993, um, but we're licensed with the Navajo Nation, a 12-bed emergency shelter and 10-bed foster care or long-term placement. So we've always had an average of about 20, 25 kids um, for, for all these years. Um, we are also needing to, an aging out programs and we're doing a lot more, you know, there's a lot more need for that in this season right now. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an emergency shelter. It's, you know, providing the basics and then telling them about Jesus. And um, I, what I love about Naomi House is that we are licensed with the tribe. So mm -hmm. it's the Department of Social Services through the Navajo Nation that is actually removing the children. And it's, it's not us or the state. Um, it's the tribe themselves that are needing to remove the children for many reasons. Um, but he really wanted me to raise awareness about this because... I was actually sharing about Naomi House in a church in Denver, Colorado, a couple years ago, and I was sharing about the atrocities on the reservation, that what the children are going through, and I was shocked that they had no idea what I was talking about. And Denver is a very highly indigenous populated uh, city, hmm. and so I was very surprised. And that was when God Himself. Um, he said he took that idea of a book and it was like I could see it come swivel up right in front of my eyes and he said write it now mm -hmm. and then he supernaturally empowered me to write a book that is it's called send me I'll go preparing for the call um, it talks about um, the need for safe houses on reservations because we actually need a Naomi house or a safe house for children on every reservation um, across America it's like it or not it's gonna happen you know, the statistics that, that plague South Dakota or Arizona, it's on all the reservations. Mm -hmm. It talks also about the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit that's taking place now amongst the First Nations people. So it's not just all of the terrible things that are happening, but it's also the hope and the power and the movement of God across uh, the First Nations people. Um, it, it gives... Um, People who are, you know, non-natives who have a desire to serve on the front lines of Native American ministry um, helps equip them uh, for the reality of that, basically. And some practical tips from um, from missionaries that have been doing it for for many years. But by His grace, it was published through uh, TBN um, Trinity Broadcasting was the publisher, and then the Navajo Nation Vice President endorsed the book, which is amazing. Wow, that is amazing. Uh, it is. Yeah. The Navajo Nation president and vice president, by the way, are born-again Christians. And this is a real indicator of the shift that we've been praying for for Come so on. many years. I mean, yeah. this is unprecedented where um, our president of the Navajo Nation was actually um, baptized in the Jordan River in Israel on Facebook Live about two years ago. Amazing. And when that happened, I said, you know what? We're definitely, we're in a shift. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. But, 
so again, it's, it's to raise awareness because so many people, I really feel like natives are out of sight, out of mind, you know, mm -hmm. out there on the reservation. We don't even know if they still exist and all this, you know. Um, but I feel like when people hear about it, they generally want to know, like, mm -hmm. wh where, what, is, what is this? What's going on? Like, they want to hear about it. You know, what is wrong? Why are the statistics the way they are? And, um, and, and so God really put a burden on me to share about the realities of growing up indigenous in America today. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people, of course, it's out of sight and it's out of mind. But I think there's two lenses that I describe. If you could put these on, you might have a better understanding of what the problem is. And one of those is the reality of the spirit world. Um, and the other one is just some events in America's history, um, which is, I'll just keep going if that's okay. Yeah. Hey, light it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I talk about a, a chapter about American history, children, and the misrepresentation of God. Um, and uh, this is American history that you're not going to find in your um, your history class in school. Like these are things that we're not taught, but um, about the boarding schools and about uh, people who claim to represent Christ, people who claim to be Christ followers and what I call the demonic cloaked in clergy. Um, a lot of these boarding schools were just literally um, demonic, you know, misrepresenting Christ. And it's like today we have to sound out the alarm that that was not Jesus. That was not the real Jesus because of the damage that was done. Um, and so it's important to educate about the past, not to be stuck there, but in order to just get an understanding so that we can have a clearer picture um, for where we're going in the future. Um, but if Jesus, for especially for First Nations, it's like, how do you, how do you be native and Christian? You know, mm -hmm. because again, that religious system has totally desecrated the name of Jesus to make you think that you can't be native, you can't have long hair, you can't speak your language, you can't be who God created you to be and be a Christian. So there's mm -hmm. a huge question mark oh, to this day over natives. How do you be native and Christian? Um, because if Jesus really is the way, the truth, the life, and if really nobody can go to the Father but through Jesus, then Satan had to somehow defame that name Jesus to an entire people group. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that is that generational trauma that we are dealing with um, that is affected, you know, into our children now that now need safe houses because the family has been desecrated, the mm -hmm. family unit. Um, has really been torn apart. And I really believe that that was just the ploy of the enemy to get in through those kind of ways to defame the name Jesus. And you had mentioned Jimmy and he had Jimmy Muskrat and he mm -hmm. said something that really stuck out to me. He said, the First Nations people have a great awareness of the spirit realm. They have a tremendous awareness of creator, but without the word. And we know that Jesus is the word made flesh. And if Jesus is misrepresented, then naturally he will be rejected. And if he can get a whole people group to reject that name, the man Jesus, right? Then the spirit world isn't, um, it can be a dangerous way. If we go into the spirit world around the front door, Jesus, we can be opening up portals over ourselves that we do not want open. Mm -hmm. There's a legal act, illegal access. If you're not going through this one way, this one truth, Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the huge reasons why there is such a need for places like Naomi house. Yeah. Is this generational trauma from religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm going to, I want to read a little script that I, I usually would, you would hear on one of our videos, if that's okay. Cause Please? I think it yeah. really speaks into, yeah. you know, if you don't speak for them who will, if we don't give them a voice, you know, who will these mm -hmm. kids, they don't have a voice. Right. And so this is kind of even why I'm here today yeah. to really represent a whole generation um, that needs Jesus accurately represented to them. But I'll read this here quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Beneath the resilience and beauty of childhood lies extreme peril and often unspeakable trauma for too many Native American children. We believe it is important to shed light to the best of our ability on the realities of growing up indigenous in America today. Mm 
with so much brokenness, so much darkness, so much pain and hurt for too many Native children, we have a responsible uh, responsibility to give them a voice. Native American children suffer from abuse at one of the most alarming rates in our country. Child sexual abuse in Native America is both epidemic and holocaustic. 90% of the children who come to live at Naomi House are the victims of child molestation and or rape. There's an entire generation of mothers and fathers who have been war-torn by generational cycles of bondage, defeat, and trauma. Children are in constant jeopardy today in America on reservations, in constant jeopardy due to alcoholism, domestic violence, and parental incarceration. Because of the epidemic of a drug called meth, the death and murder rates are inconceivable. We have had multiple children come to us after the murder of their siblings by their own parents, family members, or domestic partners. A place like Naomi House is actually needed on or near most reservations in America. In fact, right now, there is a child in need of a safe place who will have nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, I say that because it's so important to be said. Um, it's, it's very, uh, the, the addictions are rampant. The sexual abuse is rampant in the homes. Um, neglect is a major one, even more than physical abuse. It's the act, just the absolute neglect because the generation above us didn't know how to parent because the generation above them were in boarding schools. And so the, the neglect is, is just massive, um, child sexual, sexual abuse is, is rampant and incest. Um, and then just, you know, hopelessness, poverty, suicide, despair, the disintegration of the family. And it goes on and on, yeah. you know, from there. And I know First Nations aren't the only people that struggle with these things by any means. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be um, the voice that God is using me for. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is the same statistics, you know, in my own life. Yeah. 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 Has the Lord given you insight in terms of like, the cause of these things, because obviously there's atrocities that were done by the U.S. government towards First Nations people, the Trail of Tears and and all of that. I mean, a lot of people are very, very well aware of those. Um, so that obviously can cause a tear. There's a betrayal. I mean, even the, the First Nations people helped us fight against the British during the Revolutionary War and that, that betrayal that takes place there. I know that that and then I know the role that anger can play unresolved anger can play in a person's life, even on, even on a personal level. Um, and there's obviously that, but has the Lord given you any insight into, into any of that or maybe more? So number one, the atrocities, American history, number two, obviously unforgiveness, you know, and how that all triples down into what is called generational trauma. Like it's in the DNA, mm -hmm. like probably this, the generation might not even know why am I so mad? It's in the bloodline. I mean, it is literally passed down mm -hmm. another one. Um, and I've heard somebody say this and, um, and so I'm going to repeat it, um, to what I understand about the spirit of Jezebel, which there's so many ways that you could describe Jezebel. And I certainly am not a scholar on the spirit of Jezebel, but I think it's interesting that Jezebel means uncovenanted and that when those treaties and those covenants were broken between the government and the first nations people, I believe it opened a legal door of access for that spirit of Jezebel to come in. And when you see the, these reservations, I mean, you, some of these reservations, you would feel like you're literally in a third world country, Jeff. I mean, literally not either. People would say there's no way, there's no way that the, that it's this way right here in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, I believe it's the effects of, of even that principality. Um, and then a fourth reason, and I don't know how much we could even get into this one, um, is, and I'll just say kind of a broad term for anybody, any people group, um, if we go to the spirit world outside of the front door of Jesus Christ, whether that's through our traditions, whether that's through our religions, whether that's through ceremonies, whether that's through anything that is outside of the man Jesus, we can be opening ourselves up to these principalities and to these portals, um, specifically over South Dakota. Um, there, the God over that region is called White Buffalo Calf Woman. Um, uh -huh. that basically came to the people to tell them 
this is how you're going to serve God. This is how you're going to worship God. And she presented them with the seven ceremonies um, that are uh, are honored to this day. I mean, there's many, many ceremonial sites over the Black Hills, um, what some would call altars, uh, what some would call high places over the middle of the United States that are tended regularly. Because, you know, the powers of darkness and the kingdom of, of, of darkness is very structured and it's very militant. Um, and, it, and, and they know how to, you know, give marching orders and do what they're called to do in the kingdom of darkness. But it's mm. the church that's asleep, you know. Yeah. And so gave them the ceremonies and I'll just mention one that is observed to this day where there's actual piercing of flesh, um, dancing, sun dancing, uh, where they are required to pierce their flesh and dance around until their flesh breaks and blood flows. And wow. so anywhere you have blooded altars, come on somebody. I feel, right. I feel the fire of God on that yeah. right there because I know the devil doesn't like us mm -hmm. to bring the light and to bring the truth. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. But I was so encouraged this last July when God himself, I told God, I know I'm supposed to start a children's home in South Dakota, but unless you come down and literally lay out the red carpet, I said, there's no way I'm going in there because with man, what we're trying to do is absolutely, it's impossible. But in last July, he sent me to South Dakota. So, I mean, just sent us right in there in my little minivan with my kids and my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and we were driving through the res and the Lord told me, a word for the Native American Christian leaders over the region. He said, "You need, there's a breach in the infrastructure and I want you to give them this message. Until they come into unity, until they walk in their healing, their love for one another and link arms with each other, everything that I'm trying to do for the kingdom there will continue to go through the empty pockets. I said, well, that's great, God, but I don't know any leaders because when I left South Dakota, I was not a Christian. Within two days, God took me to the front door of every Native American leader he wanted me to speak to. And I met one in particular, and I'm just going to say it like this. He has the revelation, and many are getting this revelation on the, on, in a Native American land from the Holy Spirit himself, not from somebody coming out and telling them, but from God himself. They're getting the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. They're getting the revelation that they hold the keys to the kingdom, a legal badge of authority over their territories, mm -hmm. and a revelation that they have to come into high levels of agape love and unity so that they can uh, they can be the kingdom council over their regions. And uh, the Lord had us gather everybody, and we had our very first kingdom council conference a couple of months ago there in Pine Ridge, where God is raising up the leaders to deal with these land assignments. Oh my God. To deal yeah. with from a revelation from the inside, not having other powerful people come in, but they themselves are the ones that hold the strategic, the key of legal authority mm -hmm. over their territories. And they are realizing we can't do this alone. We have to love each other. We have to forgive each other. We got to link shields because I think they're the ones that carry the anointing and the authority to tear down these kind of altars mm -hmm. in America. And if that is their strategic place, if that is it, they really, that is what will unlock something over America mm -hmm. when they begin oh, to deal with these altars. Yes. Oh man, my goodness. This is like, honestly, this, this is like so anointed. Like for real, I've been like feeling it like the whole time, man. Like this is Oof. like, honestly, it's so significant. Like the things you're sharing and, and we're seeing this the the message is the same but it, it it it's in layers you know it's like the layers of an onion where it's like the message is unity and coming together we're seeing that in the church body that was revealed over the past couple of years of people really kind of getting off their getting off their keisters and actually pursuing the lord and realizing you know what maybe we shouldn't get so hung up on non-salvation issues maybe we can meet in the middle and we can reason together right and then you're seeing that from even even the, the what God is doing in the millennial generation, he's raising them up. He's, he's raising the Gen Z generation up and he's calling the other generations not to be, not to be tribal and be like, well, okay, the boomers had their go. Okay. Now it's the Gen Xers. Okay. Then it's going to be the millennials. Everybody do their own thing. 
no, this move of God is everybody. And then on the, the more like umbrella level is, I really believe Krista and I've talked about this a lot too. The first nations people are the key and what God is doing in them. And we're seeing so many people. And we talked about this before the show. So many different people are getting the same message. Like it's the, the native Americans are the key. Like, they hold the keys, like, like, especially what's been done. There needs to be reconciliation. Yes. But there needs to, and there needs to be forgiven forgiveness. Yes. But at the same time, like God is championing people like you and others to spearhead this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I do. Because after that happened and, and the Lord himself came and set off a kingdom bomb through this kingdom council meeting that we had, um, shortly after that, he spoke to me clearly and he said, what you're doing in South Dakota and what you're doing in Arizona, I want you to do on every tribe across America. And he said, it's a clarion call to the First Nations people to identify who is the kingdom council in your in your sphere of your region, because the tribal council should not be running it. Hell should not be running it. The kingdom people, the Native American kingdom people, they're already there. God said, I'm going to gather them. And he spoke specifically said in 2023, an all tribes kingdom council council meeting and he released me to give out what it, what he calls what he's calling a clarion call uh, to the first nations people and that is actually what got me involved with the trail of joy tour to be honest um when Devin reached out and asked me to come preach in Salem, I said, you know, I can come preach in a tent, no problem. I said, but I have got to get strategy. I need to know what what's my role in that vision that God has given you all. Um, so let me, you know, let me get back to you. Well, what I was not expecting was for a complete download for God to say, you know, if if they use their platform to be on the trail of, of, of tears um, trail to give out the clarion call to the First Nations people for this idea of an all nations gathering in unity to one man Jesus. Because we've had all nations uh, gatherings that are more to the altars of look at us or look at our tradition or reawakening to traditional or reawakening to the past. But what we need is that is a, a kingdom awakening, a kingdom movement of unity. And um, so when he sent me to Salem, Oregon, um, I, I didn't see you the night that I was ministering. Mm. I think I saw you the night or two after yeah. um, is when the Lord had me to release that word. And somebody had asked me before that night, they said, what is a clarion call? And I said, you know what? I have no idea. Uh, all I know is that God said clarion call. Yeah. So before church that night that I was preaching, I Googled it. How many know God will speak through Google? Somebody mm -hmm. say amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I Googled it and a clarion call, it literally means on Google, a call to battle. That's what it means. It means a call to battle. Um, a clarion is a medieval trumpet with clear shrill tones and when i read that immediately i heard a war cry because on the inside of every native american person is a spirit of a warrior and a god-given war cry that when it's released it carries a frequency that can literally pierce the atmosphere pierce heaven pierce darkness and pierce you know uh into the the spiritual realm amen it's a war trumpet it's a sound. Um, it's, it's the sound that's hardwired on the inside of these uh, First Nations uh, warriors. And again, I really believe that God is giving out that call to the Native American people, my God, that arise, shine, Isaiah 61, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord will be revealed upon you and nations and kings and everybody's going to come to the brightness of your dawning because they're going to that you should have never made it out alive. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't still be here. Who is this God? What? Who is this man Jesus that is on you? What is this glory? And it will it'll be what's causing that uh, the, them to be jealous because God's going to use the least likely in the least likely of places. Come on, somebody. Mm -hmm. That reservation means on reserve for an outpouring of God's glory like mm. we've never seen before. Yeah. So it's that whole message, right? 
It's raising yeah. awareness. It's sharing the statistics, the atrocities, the sadness, mm-hmm. but it's this hope message too. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the night before I met Jimmy uh, Muskrat um, and heard his message, I was talking to him one-on-one um, uh, carrying that giant Bible. Yes. <laughs> it's massive. Um, but uh, I, I was, the Lord actually spoke to me about the enemy's plans with first nations people. And he said, the enemy fully intends, and he only gave me the first part. And then he connected the dots. Once I talked to Jimmy Muskrat, but he said, the the enemy fully intends to rally the troops as it were to rally the tribes into violence. Mm. And, and then I was like, well, that's not good. And then I was like, okay, Lord. And then he kind of just like, like, like he didn't complete the sentence. It was like comma. And that was it. And then I met Jimmy Muskrat and I heard his heart and your heart and, and hundreds of other first nations, people's hearts is, is something beyond that. And it was like, but, but it was almost like the enemy doesn't have a chance. He doesn't stand a chance. Like with what God is doing, this move that he's doing in our nation, in the first nations, people in the body of Christ in, you know, in generations is you cannot st- stop it. No one can stop it. And, um, man, on, amen. Yeah. and even just going into that region, um, the Lord in prayer showed me a vision right above Oglala and Pine Ridge. Cause I was telling him, God, it's going to be hard. It's this, it's that we don't have this. We don't have that. And all of a sudden he put, picked me up like a drone over Pine Ridge, Oglala area. And I was hovering over it and he, and he said, heaven is open over the reservations. And then I heard that scripture where Elisha said, open my servant's eyes that he can see that there are more mm-hmm. with us. Come on. Then there are with them and all about Elisha were war horses, war wagons of fire, of, of just of this gathering of an army of people, again, that have the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, not religion, not, you know, somebody told me I have to recite, recite a sinner's prayer or I'm going to go to hell. No, a revelation that Jesus is who he says he is, a revelation of their kingdom, authority over their regions. But just as equally important is a revelation to get our souls healed, to walk in forgiveness, to walk in high levels of, of unity, humility, and love. And I think that in 2023, so after the Lord spoke that to me, I've been hearing other people getting the same kind of messages as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Chuck Pierce is one of those that um, has that revelation. And I know he's going to be, he's willing to let us use his facilities for such a gathering or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I heard 2023 before I heard anybody else, like that was the Lord had had spoken that to me. So it, it's an encouraging, it's an encouraging word, but we're getting ready to um, build our house in South Dakota. Actually, in June, we just signed the papers for a structure uh, today to put mm-hmm. on the the property there in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, my aunt lived there until she passed away, and so we have everything that we need on that land to you know get get started. How can people help you guys? What do you guys need? Whew. Um, we need give us a- the laundry list. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of. Absolutely everything. Um, we need people who are truly missionaries that literally have a call of God to Native American children specifically, mm-hmm. um, a real heart for that specific call. And then, of course, finances. Um, we're going to be building, but the the structure we have now is going to be our temporary for one year as we get it licensed, as we get in there. Um, but then we're going to, we're going to be fundraising all year. So ways that you can help is literally share this video here, or, um, our website has, a I think it's an eight minute video. You can for free, just share that across all of your platforms, all of your emails, anybody that you think would be interested. That's a seriously way that you can help us raise awareness, which that's our number one need at this point. Nobody knows we exist, brother Jeff, you know, and when people find out they, of course they want to get involved, but Mm -hmm. it hasn't been the right time, but this whole year we're going to be raising awareness. Mm -hmm. The time is nigh. The time has come, you know, and I know there's people watching this right now. They're so stirred. They're like, I got to do something. I got to do something. Cause I think from my perspective, from, from the, from the, from the white man's perspective, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's, I don't, 
I don't know a single person who doesn't care about First Nations people. And I think we sense we sense the anger, we sense the hurt. And yeah. the last thing we want to be is, ha ha, the white man has come to save you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is the last thing that, that any sensible person, and I know a lot of sensible people, that's yeah. the last thing we want. And I think that there's this like, I want to help, but I don't want to feel like, you that's know, you, you don't understand what I'm saying? I absolutely know what you're saying, you know, and to no. undergird the First Nations uh, ministries that are already that you can connect with, mm -hmm. undergird them in any way, shape or form. And that's as we go into South Dakota, you know, I'm not physically moving to South Dakota. I will be staying in Arizona. It's, it just happens to be my property. It happens mm -hmm. to be my land. Yeah. But my as we go in there, it's like, OK, who is it that God is identifying to undergird to do this, you know, mm -hmm. because we really do want First Nations um, serving First Nation. Mm -hmm. And some of you have the means to make this stuff happen. And maybe the Lord is prompting you to do something big, uh, to do something that is a big faith thing. Maybe it's bigger than you've ever done before in, in giving, um, wh whether it's financially, whether it's resources, um, whether it's your life. Uh, there are people that are being stirred right now. And so how can people, how can people donate to the Naomi house? How can they uh, get in contact with you specifically if they have something else that's maybe more than financial, maybe there's something bigger than that. Yeah. So the website, um, the Naomi house.org that's for Naomi house, the, you have to put T-H-E in the front the Naomi house.org. And then my website is preparing for the um, And then I think we're going to link the YouTube video and that right there is going to give you as much information as you, I mean, it's really great video. Uh, we'll link it's the, it's from YouTube and then, and share that, but all the contact information will be on that video as well. Mm -hmm. um, my email Genevieve at the Naomi house.org. Yeah. And all of that, everybody, you know, the drill is in the description. Speaking of description, there's also a link to your book. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about that a little bit more. I know you mentioned it, um, but I wanted to make sure to really highlight it because there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh man, this is awesome." Well, I just happen to have one. Well, fancy that. Look at that. Okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Send me, I'll go and you know, just get it on Amazon. Um, but again, it, it everything in here is basically what we talked about. It, but my power encounters. So if you have people you're praying for that have not encountered the real Jesus, it's gonna help somebody. Whether they're native or non-native, everybody needs an encounter with Jesus. Um, so that that is in there. Um, also just tools to help prepare you for the front lines of native ministry. Um, also some stories, just real raw stories actually in chapter one of, um, of the reality of the children that we're serving, um, some of their stories. And then again, um, native American or American history, the misrepresentation of Jesus, things like that. So that's on Amazon and it's also on the front page of both of those websites. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, and then share it pass it along with somebody if, if you got something out of that too. yeah yeah please do everybody and wasn't it i think i i think i saw it was like on like at least some kind of a number one list in amazon it was. thank yeah. you for bringing that up yeah. um, it was published by tbn it was endorsed by the navajo nation vice president myron leitzer and then it was number one when it was um put on amazon under its category um mm -hmm. i forgot the exact name having to do with missions mm -hmm. um it was number one for a little while there Amazing. so that's exciting yeah come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's so God awesome is highlighting first nations i mean that's it's really right. is a a uh, word for for now. Yeah, and for those of you that watch Elijah streams as well, you know that Steve Schultz has been taking the money that's been donated, and he's starting to drill wells in Uganda. He's been working with Show Mercy International over there, but he it, he impressed the Lord impressed on Steve's heart to start doing that over here for First Nations people. Wow! And so we're just starting that process, but again, we're we're seeing that's why like you coming on here. Um, the connection that was made there, getting the word out, like this is going to just keep, it's just going to snowball, you know, it's, it, I it's believe gonna, it. yeah, get faster, more hardcore in a good way. And, 
um, you know, the Lord's, the Lord's on the move and, and yeah. we just want to be along for the ride and we want to be used by him. And so it's exciting. The thing I wanted to ask you uh, before we close out is if there are any Native Americans right now, what would you say to them? Because I see a lot of them saying anti, anti-Christian, we don't want to be because that's colonialism and we were forced into that. Like, what would you say to people that are in that place where they're like, no, I don't want to know Jesus because Europeans yeah. came over and did all this crazy stuff? Well, first of all, I would say I totally understand. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I totally understand. And until somebody has an encounter with Jesus or an encounter with truth, an encounter with light, there's no way. There's there's blinders on. So I get it. And our job is to love, love, love them. And number two, I would say for anybody that feels like Jesus is a white man's God has been um, colonial, has been colonized because Jesus was not white. He mm -hmm. was uh he was brown and he right. was tribal and he comes from the tribe of judah come on somebody right. Ooh, you've been colonized <laughs> if you think that jesus is a white man's god yeah. that's a colonized way of thinking mm -hmm. he is tribal my god amen come on, come on. so i well, would say we love you too yeah yes absolutely um and the Lord was... just reminded me real quick, um, yeah. too, I, what he showed me when he showed me this all nations gathering, he said that he's going to assemble 100 intercessors. I yeah. say that because intercession and prayer is the, the whole foundation. I mean, without that, what do we have? We need prayer. So I believe there are intercessors and it says I'm one of those 100 intercessors for that movement. That's right. That's right. Amen. All right. Well, Genevieve, can you pray for the people? However you feel led. Yeah. Pray for the people. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you for just an awesome uh, time today. Thank you for Jeff and his team. Thank you for this platform and for every person under the sound of my voice. Father God, that will even, it will land on their ears. And Lord, I pray over every listener, Father God, that you will release that war cry, that there will be a war cry that is arising out of this generation that is piercing darkness and piercing um piercing heaven, opening up heaven. Lord, you said in Psalm 2, 8, ask of me and I will give you the nations. God, we are asking for the nations. I pray over every person that their voice has been silenced, but in this season, they are getting ready to release their sound, that you are giving them a revelation now, even as they hear, to know that now is the time to know your people, know your place, and know your purpose, that there is a divine alignment, I believe, that is taking place across the body of Christ in this hour, that everything that has been shaken, I know everything has been shaken in your life. It, everything has been shaken in this world system so that the unshakable kingdom will remain, that there's no fear because we belong to an unshakable kingdom. And that, Father, you're putting it in right order in their lives. I even pray over every person listening now that their spirit eyes will open, that their spirit ears will open. I pray for revelation and knowledge to be just downloaded on every hearer, Father God, that they will have supernatural revelation that they too are absolutely forgiven, that they are absolutely clothed in righteousness, that there is an absolute purpose and a destiny. And even as I pray that, and I've seen this before where Jesus kind of flashes over in a judge's robe with a huge gavel that is pounding on the table. And I just hear him saying a release to you. You are not guilty, not guilty not guilty, that the destiny books of heaven that were written before the foundations of the world would, would not be aborted, that they will be fulfilled in your life. And I thank you for that today, God. I thank you for every listener that has a heart for First Nations and that you will continue to give them wisdom and lead them and guide them um, as to how to be involved. And I just give you the praise, God. You alone deserve all the glory all of the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Genevieve, how can people follow you? I know you're on social media. All that good stuff. Also, yeah. give people your website, too. Yeah. My website is preparingforthecall.com. 
and then Naomi has a, the NaomiHouse.org. Um, but I'm on Facebook under Genevieve Dawn Skidmore, and also my page is called Preparing for the Call, where I go live quite a bit um, mm. and just encourage. I like to teach the word, and so I I, I uh, teach on preparing for the call on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you're on Instagram too, aren't you? I am on Instagram. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. even tell you, but it'll be linked. It's in there. Yeah, somewhere. Genevieve Dawn. Yeah, I think yeah, that's why I first started following you. Yeah, yeah, there might be an S at the end. Genevieve Don S. Well, you'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on. Let's just do it right here. You know, okay. I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna say it out loud too, and then we'll also put it in the description. Yeah. Genevieve, this is real life, everybody. Yes. Genevieve. Yep. It's Genevieve Don S. Genevieve Don S. Yep. Yeah. There it is. Right there. Boom. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, everybody, um, that is our show. This was amazing. Everybody, please comment uh, how you know this impacted you. Um, it, I'm like out of words. I'm like so just like in the zone. This is awesome. Um, and guys, I'm just really excited. Please share this with people. Please get the word out. Um, if you want to get involved, you know where to contact them. The contact info, if you need a refresher, is down in the description if you want to donate all that good stuff you guys let's make this happen okay guys be blessed and we will see you again next week all right bye this has been elijah fire thanks for listening for more episodes like this you can check out the elijah fire podcast on elijahfire.com on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.